This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you made it out today. Bless all of you. My, my voice is just a little froggy, okay? I'll be okay. It doesn't bother me, so if you can put up with me and tolerate. You know, we were singing here about miracle worker. This is a house of miracles. And you know, I, I just don't want to sing about it. I, I, I want to believe that this is what God desires to do. If you're in here right now and you need a miracle, just stand up. Don't be shy. Just, man, if we were drawn for miracles, everybody be ready. There's people in here right now that are needing miracles. Now, you know, the Bible says, even in the area of healing, lay hands on the sick, move within them. If, if I really believe God was going to heal, if I really believe God was going to do a miracle today, man, we would run. <clears throat> we would run toward people. I, I believe, I believe. Now, I, I can't come off here. I can, but I'm on live stream. If you are in here right now and you believe God's the healer, you believe he's a miracle worker, get out of your seat and let's go. Let's lay hands on people right now, these ones that are standing up. Go ahead. Come on, don't be bashful. It's the house of God. It's the house of miracles. So, Father God, right now, as your children, as covenant, the Father God, we, we lay hands, we speak miracles, we speak healing, whatever it is. Father God, we ask your intervention right now. And we believe this, this is a house of miracles. And that you are. Waymaker, miracle worker today. And we loose that in here right now. We pray miracle power in bodies, situations, circumstances. And everybody agreed, said, amen, amen. You know what? Yeah, clap to the Lord here. I, I encourage you, just tell Jesus right now, I, I received the miracle within me, Lord. I received that. Well, praise the Lord. A couple of you are excited about it. The rest of us need to get that way. All right, if you got a Bible or you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Now, we've been on a series here, the fear of the Lord, but we're kind of moving in a direction still, the fear of the Lord, but also you'll see the fear of man. And so I want to highlight that today. This is the area we're going to go into and I, I believe God's going to speak to your heart. You know, many of you, you ate really, really well at Thanksgiving. How do you know that, Pastor? I can tell. And just look at you. Well, I'm going to tell you today, you're going to eat really, really well from the Word of God. And let, let God's Word get on this. I, I believe God's going to create some things in here this morning, okay? 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 9. For a great... One translation says, huge, an effective door has been opened to me. A, a door of great opportunity has been opened to me. This is the Apostle Paul talking about this. And then he says, and there are many adversaries. Not, not just a few or not just one, but Many adversaries. Now, if you'll notice, the word adversaries is plural. 
And so when you think about an adversary, you know what an adversary does? He tries to, to create adversity, opposition. So this great effective door of opportunity is open, but there's going to be a lot of adversity. There's going to be opposition that's going to try to keep you from moving into those areas. Preach, Pastor. Okay, I will. Verse 10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. And so when I looked at that, I thought, well, I wonder what the areas of fear were that had tried to grip Timothy. And I believe within every one of us, we have fears that try to commit or keep us from doing what God's desired for us to do. So just with that thought, great and effective doors of opportunity, but there's going to be adversity. Now go with me back to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and if you were here a week ago, we were talking about King Saul. And King Saul didn't do what God asked him to do. Remember, he was more concerned about what people thought than what God thought. And so today we will exit from King Saul into King David. And there's some things that I want you to see biblically here this morning. I want you to put this thought in you real quick. Two of the great men of the Bible, David and Joseph, both experienced incredible opposition from their own families. Daddies and even, even siblings, okay? So I just want you to think that opposition, adversity can come from a lot of ways. And this may highlight your life up to this point. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now the Lord said, Get over it, okay? I, I've rejected him, not as a human being, but I've rejected him from being king over Israel. In other words, he wouldn't do what I asked him to do, so I removed him. Fill your horn with oil, which was a symbol of the anointing, and go, and I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And when he says this, he's literally saying, I, I, I'm getting a king who will obey me. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said. He went to Bethlehem. Samuel the prophet obeyed, and he goes to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town, they trembled. They shook at his coming, and they said to him, do you come peaceably? It's almost like, What's he doing here? This is unexpected. This is unusual. What's up? What's happening for the priest to come here? He goes on to say, do you come peaceably? And Samuel responded, peacefully. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now often, this was done before a great act of God took place. 
So he said, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourself, set yourself apart, and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated, he purified, he set aside Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that Samuel looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Eliab is Jesse's oldest son. And Eliab comes walking in and he, he must have been a good size physically, mature looking. And Samuel sees him and says, that's our boy. That's him. That's God's anointed. Verse seven. But the Lord Samuel said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. Don't look how he looks outwardly because outwardly doesn't show me anything on the inside. Now this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Because I have refused him, I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what's God looking at in our heart? Am I loyal to him? Is my allegiance to him? Am I a man or woman of character, integrity, honesty? See, those are all qualities that God looks for. And what would happen if we begin to say, Father God, I welcome your grace within me to develop the characteristics that you look for. So the Lord said, not him. He, he, he's not our boy. So he looks at number two. Nope, three, nope, four, five, six, seven. He goes through seven sons. He says, nope, 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 none. But Samuel remembers what the Lord said to him in verse one when he says, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So Samuel knew this is what God said. There's one of Jesse, the Bethlehemite son is the one I'm looking for. Verse 11. So Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Question mark. Then Jesse responded and said, there remains yet the youngest. He's just the, the youngest. And when you begin to see the wordings here, it's almost like Jesse is taking little jabs at this youngest. He said, he's the youngest. Now keep reading. And there he is, keeping the sheep. He just keeps the sheep. Which in easier way may be stated, he's the low man on the totem pole. But the Lord said in Matthew 25, if I'm not faithful with the least, I'll never get to the much. And so right here is his dad 
almost the same. He's the forgotten son. He's the overlooked son. He's the odd bird. He's the runt of the bunch. He just keeps sheep. You know what's interesting? When Samuel invited Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice and the feast, this youngest one wasn't even invited. He was overlooked. All the other brothers were consecrated. And so, if we go back to 1 Corinthians 16, adversity shows up. Opposition shows up in the form of his father. And what begins to happen? We, we can struggle with intimidation that comes from other people. And if I'm not careful, I get stuck in the past of my life because of rejection, hurt, abandonment. And that may describe you right now. It can all be brought on by the fear of man. And what begins to happen when that happens is it's very easy to give up and quit on my dreams. And I believe this morning, God wants you to have some revision. He, he wants to stir back dreams within you. And so I heard this recently. A thief will steal your possessions but a lie, when you believe it, will steal your destiny. And I wonder how many of us in this room, we've believed a lie. Hmm. Keep reading. So Samuel said to Jesse, sin and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. Now he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. He was ruddy. So I did. I started digging. I said, I, I, I got to get the best definitions I can of ruddy. And the best one I came up with was he was warlike. He was brave and full of courage. And so they bring him in and, and he's ruddy. He's the youngest. He's just a shepherd, but he's a shepherd with an attitude. He's ruddy. And he's got bright eyes. You know what that means? He's got the eye of the tiger, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Something within him. And it says also about him that he was good looking. And the Lord said, Arise. And anoint him, for this is the one. So I'm reading all this. And when you read these stories, the, the Bible doesn't talk about his dad or his brother's activities that are going on. In other words, 
When Samuel is told anointing, that's the boy. Can you imagine? I wonder if they didn't go. I wonder if they didn't roll their eyes. I wonder if they looked at each other and go, bad choice. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. He, he anoints him in the midst of his brothers. That'll get your attention real quick. And so many times we have the thought in our lives, all I gotta do is be anointed, just anoint me. And we have the thought that if I would just be anointed, life would be smooth sailing. I wouldn't have any more opposition. I wouldn't have any more problems, but it's the exact opposite. When you get anointed for the kingdom of God, there's a big target on your back. There's a big bullseye on your back. Not only did his brother see this, But the devil heard this. Let me give you a little insight on anointing. The anointing isn't an opportunity, it's an opportunity. It's not a guarantee. An opportunity. So we end in verse 13, and he says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So he's now the anointed king. Pretty easy to say. A great effective opportunity, a door is open to him. Turn one chapter to 1 Samuel 17. So now I get a paraphrase just a little bit. So what's going on here is there's this battle going on in this place called Socho. And on this side is the Israelites, and on this side on the hill is the Philistines. Right in the middle is this valley, okay? The valley of death. So watch what begins to take place here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. A champion. So when you hear the word champion, understand a champion's got history. A champion's got a track record. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's the welterweight champion of the world. You know what that means? He's got a record. So this guy, he's got a record, a champion. His name was Goliath from Goth whose height was six cubits in a span. So when I study about this guy, everything about him is intimidating, can cause us to get in fear. He's a giant. His size, his armor, I mean, even his voice is intimidating. He is literally a giant with an attitude is what he is. And so he parades himself out. 
same chapter, verse 10. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. That word defy there means to resist openly and without fear. It also means to challenge. And he says, give me a man that we may fight today. And so he disgraces them publicly. So let me paraphrase a little bit more what's going on here. For 40 days and 40 nights, every day, every morning starts the same way. That this giant with an attitude, he sees the Israelites coming out for morning prayer and he taunts them. He demoralizes them. He diminishes them. He mocks them every day, 40 days, every morning. And then every evening when they would come back for their evening prayer time, he would do the same thing. You know why? Because the goal of a giant is trying to keep you gripped with fear. When you wake up, fear. When you go to bed, fear. And so giants here are relentless. Giants don't take days off. And so this is a giant on steroids right here, day by day by day. Let me ask you, does that define anything in your life right now? Does it seem like when you get up in the morning, there's something that grips you with fear? And when you come home that night, there's something that intimidates you. Meantime, the anointed king, he shows up at the front. He's at the front line. And he's there to give his three older brothers food and supplies. Verse number 11, or let's, let's jump to verse 23. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion of the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard him. David hears him talking all this smack. He hears him talking all this trash. And I, I can get a picture of David just sitting there looking at him, staring. But look what it does to the other guys. Verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Put him on the run. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man has come up? Ha have you seen him? And again, oftentimes the things we see with our eyes, it, it creates fear. And that's what they're, have you seen him? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be with the man who kills him and with king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. In other words, there's a bounty out for this giant. 
Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? He said, tell me again. Tell me what we get. They said, you get great riches. And David thinks, I like great riches. And you get the king's daughter. I've seen her before. That's appealing. And what's the last thing? We get tax exemption for my father's house. Now that was the deal breaker right there. I'm in. No more property tax, no more sales tax, no more income tax. I'm in. He hears all this. It's amazing the difference that perspective can be in all our lives. Not only David, but his brothers and all the Israelite army, they heard the same thing and they saw the same thing. Yeah, in, in, in some of them's eyes, it put them on the run, but in David, it created faith. It stirred within him. Verse 26, listen what David says. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Who, who is this uncircumcised? You know what this literally means? He's not covenant with God. We're covenant with God. If you're born again, if Jesus, you're in covenant. And he's like, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine? Verse 27. And the people answered him and said in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Everybody else is running for cover, but the anointed king, he sees opportunity. And remember, with opportunity, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be opposition. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brothers, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. He burned with anger toward his brother. He hears what David's doing. And then he said, Why did you come down here? In other words... Let me, let me remind you why you came down here. You came down here to bring us some supplies and some food. That's why you came down here. Now listen, listen to what he says next. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Whom have you left that scrawny herd of sheep in the wilderness with? And so now you begin to see something begins to happen with this brother. He devalues him, even his capacity as a shepherd. He publicly berates him, disrespects him, and he criticizes him. See, again, none of us are exempt from this. He attacks David's character. So you know what you see right here? 
Adversity shows up in the form of his brother to try to get David off track, to try to get David away from the dream. Aren't you watching those two sheep? And then listen to what he says at the end of verse 28. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. When he says this, many Jewish commentaries say the reason that God rejected Eliab in the first place is he was full of pride. And the very thing he accused David of being as prideful was actually his flaw. So he tried to use that against King David. And family wars can be destiny destroyers if we allow them. Watch what David says in response. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Because for 40 days and 40 nights, this guy comes up here and he taunts us, talks all this. Is there not a cause? Verse 31. Now the words which David spoke were heard. They reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So one by one, he says, is there not a cause? So understand this. For 40 days and 40 nights, Saul has looked for one guy, just one guy. Who will fight him? And so they get word of that, and one of them runs to Saul and says, we, We've got a guy. We've got one. Verse 32 Then David said to Saul, Let man's heart, let not man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I'll do it. So he tells King Saul this. Watch King Saul's response. And said to David, you're not able. The new living says, don't be ridiculous. You're not able. Has anybody ever told you you're not able? Do you know, I can't find anywhere where in God's vocabulary he says you can't. And I can't find in God's vocabulary which says if, if if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. I can't find that. Actually, I find in Philippians 4 that God said, you, you can do all things through Christ. You can. But have you ever been told you can't? You're not able. Listen to what he goes on to say. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. You're a punk kid, and he a man of war from his youth. Write this down. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Something happens with I live with the fear of God that he creates this strong confidence. And my confidence isn't in me. My confidence is in God. Verse 34. 
But David said to Saul, now I want to stop and tell you something real quick before we go farther. Everything I'm getting to tell you took place before David ever became king. He got opposition from his father, opposition from his brother, opposition from King Saul, and opposition from Goliath the giant. Every one of them came after him before he became king. You know why? Because the devil will use anything and anybody to destroy your future. He'll try to sabotage your destiny just like that. And if you notice, it was, it was the words. His dad said, he's just keeping sheep. And then his brother said, Did you leave that little small herd? And then King Saul, you're not able. And then you throw in this crazy giant. And so King David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. I, I love that. I used to keep my father's sheep. I, I, I used to be the low man on the totem pole. I, I used to. You want a good verse to stand on? Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Everything large starts small. Don't despise the day of small beginning. Don't, don't despise the day when all you get to do is keep the sheep. Don't despise those. I used to keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it. And you know what he's doing? He's telling King Saul, here's my resume, pal. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. Gotta get a picture of this. I mean, when the lion and the bear would come after him, he wouldn't sit back, he would go after him. And he said, on top of that, I grabbed him by his beard. Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, okay? That's Ephesians 6, 12. But against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. He goes on to say in verse 36, your servant, your servant, now, if you want to highlight things, three times, verse 32, verse 34, verse 36, he referred to himself as your servant to King Saul. He never did say, hey, I'm the anointed king. He said, your servant. The robe of humility. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine He'll be like one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. He's going to be just like one of them. You know what he says here? 
Lions and tigers and bears, who cares? Doesn't matter. Now there's some wording in verse 37 you gotta see, okay? Moreover, David said, the Lord. He knew where his help came from. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He just caught the glory. And, and when I read this, we have a responsibility in the process. You know what that means? I do everything that I know I'm supposed to do, and then I trust God to do the rest. And I believe this is, this is what I'm saying. The Lord. My private victories over adversity and fear are the foundation for my public victories. Moreover, David said the Lord. Moreover, he said the Lord. He keeps reassuring, God, God will do this. And again, the Bible doesn't show us the looks on their face, but King Saul sitting there listening to him. I killed the lion, I killed the bear, and I'm gonna kill him. And I wonder if King Saul's sitting there and he starts blinking. Listen to this kid. Listen to this kid. Cause the same guy who just a few verses before said, you're not able. Look what happens at the end of verse 37. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And so because of David's faith, it ignites faith in Saul. Go be, and the Lord be with you. I want to give you some good news today. God didn't call you to be a giant slayer. Jesus has already done that. He's already done that. Where's that? Colossians 2.15. Jesus destroyed principalities and powers. He disarmed them. He made a public spectacle of them. And so something happens when I understand the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, the covenant I'm in with Jesus. But today, as adversity, as opposition, as the fear of man, as the fear of failure, as the fear of the unknown, has it paralyzed you right now? Are you stuck? God wants us to dreaming and God wants you to get back up again. God wants you to get back in the fight, okay? But I play a part. Why don't you stand up here with me? First John 4, 4 says, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. The greater one lives in me. And so with every opportunity, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be opposition. Do you know King David said this in, in Psalm 3? He said, those who trouble me have increased. Many are they that rise up against me. 
Many are they that say of the Lord, there's no help for him in God. Do you know what King David said? For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. See, God hadn't marked you off. God says, that's my boy, that's my girl. And if you've allowed adversity from family, from other people who told you you can't, that's a destiny destroyer when you believe that. And so as our team gets ready to play, pray and play, I, I welcome you down here. Some of you need a revision again. Some of you need to stir up dreams. And maybe you're here today and you said, the words of a, a family member, they've tried to stump my destiny. They've tried to stop. What would happen if we came down here and said, oh, Father God, touch our hearts. Touch our hearts. Thanksgiving morning, I'm sitting at the table and I'm studying this. And I said, Lord, I, I welcome your grace. I, I don't want to just talk about being a man after your own heart. Grace me to be a man after your own heart. And you know what I asked the Lord to do? I said, Lord, I... I need that ruddy anointing. You know what ruddy is? It's brave and courageous. I, I, I need a ruddy anointing. I, I need that right. I don't bow to people that are peer pressure. I don't, I don't bow to what people think. I live for you most high. And so right now, if you're intimidated by something or someone, if fear has you in a headlock, and just respond to God right now. Come to dinner. I, I tell you, God's going to move here, all right? Go ahead and sing, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.